I guess the, the notion of specificity of learning really is kind of an um, umbrella term that kind of pulls everything we've been talking about. You know, um, if you think about the goal of practice being something that prepares you to step onto the golf course, to walk down that road at your course and step onto the first tee, then what you're really trying to do is to do the things in practice to prepare you for playing the game. So we talked about interleave versus uh, block practice, the notion that interleave practice gets you, you know, preparing to play each shot as a separate event, which is what you have to do on the golf course. Um, we talked about augmented feedback and using augmented feedback in such a way during practice to get you to learn how to interpret your own source of feedback so that you can use those out in the golf course. Again, these are all related to this whole idea of play-specific behaviors. And that's what we're trying to get at on the golf course is, is or to do things to help you play better and play better on the course, not necessarily play better on the practice range. Right. Okay, so it's well, we got a couple members that just like that practice on the range. So <clears throat> they love the beating balls, which is fine as a goal, right? That's where you have to establish your goal. Yeah. That's you right. Want, you want to shoot lower scores or do you just love beating balls on the right. range? Right. And golf could be either. Some people love beating balls, and, and some people just love the idea of, of hitting golf balls and really don't care about um, uh, their play on the golf course, which is fine. Yeah. You know, but if, if your goal is to play better on the course, then you have to recognize that beating balls is probably not going to be the best way of achieving that. Mm -hmm. Or scrape and hit, as yes. some people call it. Right. So under the whole umbrella, then... Um, is there anything that we're missing here if we're talking about types of feedback or the type of practice or just having the concept of learning versus performance, this um, play-specific practice? Mm -hmm. um, what sorts of things can we touch on to, to create that environment or um, make well, that happen for golfers? Um, one of the things that we talked about earlier were different types of games. Um, and uh, inventing games that uh, encourage the type of activities, activities that are specific out on the golf course. So if you can um, put together games or drills that simulate the type of things that you have to do on the course. For example, um, just very a basic one is just uh, around the green, just trying to get it up and down. Mm -hmm. So chip it close to the hole, put the wedge down, get the putter out, and go make the putt. Okay, sounds simple uh, and basic, but really that's the type of practice that's specific to how we learn, or how we perform on the course. Yeah, right. Um, and so you can start with that as a basic <clears throat> game or activity and, and try and say, okay, I've got a goal today of, of getting up and down seven out of ten times. Okay, so now you're, you're bringing in some goal-oriented uh, activities, goal-oriented uh, uh, behaviors that you can now learn um, from, and you can actually make that something that you can chart over time. So 
you could say, okay, today's practice I got six out of ten in this activity, um, and keep track of that at home. You know, write it down and say, tomorrow I want to try and get seven out of ten, or whatever. Maybe I want to get five out of ten tomorrow. But you know, try and make your goal to improve that. Mm -hmm. It's a video game effect, right? Where you exactly. You stick with it because you have some kind of exactly. structure in your mind about yeah. levels of improvement. Yeah. And um, another thing that's that's really not um, I'm not sure what you could, how much you can do about it, but but think about how practice ranges themselves are built. I mean, you've got we have them um, being redone at our place right now. So oh, really? I might have to go up with a shovel and create some <laughs> mounding. <laughs> you've got uh, flat, tight lies for yeah. the most part. Yeah, or artificial wise. Um, what do you have on the golf course? Well, you've got rough, you've got uphill, downhill lies. You're hitting out of divots sometimes, um, and basically none of those are ever uh, simulated on a driving range. Sometimes you're behind a tree. Um, what do you do when you're behind a tree on the golf course if you never have an opportunity to practice that on the range? Uh, so. I guess what I would say in terms of specificity practice is that golf courses themselves, I'm sorry, practice ranges themselves could be more amenable to the types of behaviors that you're faced with on the golf course. I think the logistics of creating a practice space that is whatever that is, a few acres right. in size and it needs to be maintained mm -hmm. kind of to a certain level. So right. there's some logistics behind creating it, but I would agree that we could do a whole lot better even, you know, if you can maintain it golf course fairway with some slope on it. Why not your sure. practice tee as well? Sure. I, um, it's probably not going to look as pretty. Um, you could make it more dramatic and <laughs> exciting for people. But it, it's probably going to be more effective for mm -hmm. from a learning point of view. Mm -hmm. A couple things that, that in terms of, of uh, encouraging um, play-specific practice, I, I do, personally, I do two things or recommend a couple things. One is never ever take more than one ball to putting green. Mm -hmm. I mean, why Why would you hit two or three balls from the same spot when you never do that, first of all, on the golf course? And secondly, what you do with the second and third one are usually just a, a tweaking of what you did on the first time. Okay, it's the first time you... Okay, so it went to the right, so now I aim to the left. Well, that's really not teaching you anything about how to learn it up the first or how to line it up the first time. Never ever get that opportunity in the course. No. Uh, so taking one ball to the putting green, first of all, forces you into an interleave type of practice arrangement. And it also makes you um, focus more on that first shot, trying to get it as close as you can the first time rather than using the first one as just the template of how to modify it the second and third time. Right. Um, and a, the second thing is that another type of, of uh, technique or strategy that we could use on the range would be to say, okay, with a pupil or a student, you could say, here's 20 balls. I want you to take 20 minutes to hit those 20 balls. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what what might that do? Well, now each one of those balls is going to become more important because you got so few. <clears throat> and there's also now that you've got 20 minutes to to spend on. You're probably going to spend more time 
<clears throat> thinking about the shot and then evaluating it afterwards. <clears throat> so it gets away from this notion of just beating ball after ball after ball and by default encourages more of the play-specific behaviors that we're trying to get people to engage in on the, on the range. So those are just a couple of examples that of little techniques that you could use on the, in your practice that anybody could use. Do you have any games that you play beyond the up and downs or ball striking? I have a few of my own and that's my professional business is to come up with them. Uh, um, like a three-point game where I'm going to alternate uh, curving the ball right to left and then on the next shot left to right I'll hit 10 shots mm -hmm. alternating and count the points and I have a point system of maximum cool. points per <clears throat> shot of three mm -hmm. um, and we can do that and I'll, I'll vary the level of difficulty at the start we do it with uh, you know any club that the player is comfortable with mm -hmm. and use the same club the whole way through if right. they you know there's not a ton of my students but if they can progress up to a level where they're using different clubs each time um, even some of them actually, if I need to go more basic, I'll allow them to do two or three draws in a row, right. two or three fades in a row. I try to get away from that one as quickly as possible because right. it defeats the purpose. <clears throat> but this is where we have to engage with the student and at least allow them to hit two shots in a row because that's what they're right. used to. And we can bring them along into the more varied style right. or the play-specific style. Right. And you were talking earlier, showing me earlier um, on your computer, mm -hmm. some of these simulations that you can use with um, uh, bullseye targets in the, yeah, in the game. Yeah, the where it just app, yeah. adds more variety and more uh, fun, I guess, to the um, to the practice regime. Right. And maybe uh, creates some challenges to the individual that they can not only try to, to um to reach as a goal, but maybe could, could track and keep track of over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a big thing with my games, is I continue to make more of them to try to figure out how to make them golf course specific first off, make mm -hmm. them, but, and also make them fun. Right. Um, but think a lot too about the levels. So can you, can you start here at level one and progress up so that right. as I track my performance over time, Right. And I think this is a good business model, not to shy away from it, is that, you know, people are continuing to see that progress or have that engagement with the games that they're playing, then that's mm -hmm. just good business for me. They, they want to continue to come and train um, in that environment. So I mm -hmm. think that those things go hand in hand, that the student gets better, I also can make a living and, and uh, help more people that way. I think it's great. Uh, you know, and the, and the uh, technology today if we can use these, uh, this technology in creative ways that keeps that these things that we've talked about in mind, like specificity of, of learning and, and whatnot, it's just going to get better and better. And I think the opportunity to, to make a, a huge impact on uh, improving the overall level of skill in our golfers is, is, is a huge opportunity that we still lots of room to grow right? it's still lots of opportunity to grow and, and in exciting ways using the technology and in fruitful ways I think it's really really kind of exciting I guess if we spent so much time doing it the old way time and money we were talking right. about one product earlier that cost quite a lot of money that didn't seem to be in line with with motor learning that uh, um, just reallocate those resources and yeah maybe the average golfer skill does go down yeah if that's something that that'd be great could and, be potential yeah yeah and it seems like um 
I'm not in the industry, but it seems like the PGA of Canada is kind of leading the way amongst a lot of PGA uh, organizations in the world in terms of this progressive type of thinking, at least uh, looking to the, the research to, to guide behaviors. As we talked about earlier, evidence-based versus eminence-based. Yeah, yeah, I think we got to get continue to get away from that. And I would agree we've got good leadership and a good mm -hmm. sort of snowball effect through the PGA Canada that we're, we're kind of getting some good momentum. And, Great. Um, 